The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Like, if you're a TV writer, you can't just be a TV writer anymore. So many shows are only six episodes a season or 10 episodes a season, or like I said, your show gets canceled and now you're looking for jobs. You constantly also have to be looking for other ways to be a dramatic writer. So I have some friends who are also pitching movies, you know, features at the same time. I have a good friend who's a maybe the best TV writer I know. He writes a lot of video games also. Um, I have another friend who's writing comic books. So I found audio dramas and just absolutely fell in love with the medium in one sense, it's it's very old school, right? It's similar to radio plays from the 40s. But it's now come back in such a big way because of podcasts. So for people who aren't familiar with them, they're just, they're just TV shows without the visuals. Honestly, that's how I think of them. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Yale educator and TV writer-producer Aaron Tracy spoke with me about what it takes to make it as a TV writer, breaking into the audio drama space, producing Audible's most successful original fiction series, and working on the upcoming Supreme with Ava Longoria. Aaron teaches the art and craft of television drama at Yale University, and his TV credits include Law & Order SVU, Fairly Legal, The Tap, and Sequestered, a serialized thriller that ran for two seasons, for which he was creator and executive producer. He's also the creator, head writer, and executive producer of scripted audio dramas for iHeartRadio, Audible, and Spotify with various production partners. These include an underdog MBA story with Steve Nash, a legal thriller with James Patterson, a historical romance with Shonda Rhimes, and a courtroom drama with Abel Longoria, among others. His first show to be released, The Coldest Case, a detective thriller starring Aaron Paul, Kristen Ritter, and Alexis Bledel premiered as the number one download on Audible in 2021 and has since become the most downloaded show in Audible Plus history. His audio entertainment company, Parallax, is the home for prestige scripted audio thrillers and thought-provoking unscripted fare. In this file, Aaron and I discussed the two paths available to aspiring TV writers, why you need to always be pitching ideas, how audio dramas harken back to the golden days of radio, landing big stars for TV shows without the visuals, working with Rob Reiner, how to write for the ear, why the journey is the destination for writers, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show 
by heading to writerfiles.fm, or you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. Okay, I am honored today to be joined by a special guest. I have the writer-producer of both television and audio dramas. Uh, Aaron Tracy is joining us. How are you feeling today, man? What's what's the vibe over there? Hi, I'm feeling great. I'm here in New Haven, so I'm at the Yale Broadcast Studio, which is this great resource for faculty or students who want to make a podcast or make a video. Uh, makes me kind of nostalgic to be here because I used to record a, a podcast, my own podcast here, where I would talk to other writers. It's a it's just an amazing resource we have on campus. That's very cool. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about uh, all things writing and the writing life with you. Of course, um, some upcoming amazing audio dramas that you've got in the hopper. Yeah. I would love to pick your brain a little bit about your superhero origins as we do. Um, talk a little bit about the Cliffs Notes. Take us back because um, you did, as you mentioned, get a uh, master's at Yale, I believe, in English. And to this day, you continue to teach there. Is that right? Yeah. I got the master's in English because I mean, it was right after college and I was thinking about maybe getting a PhD, maybe going into academia, uh, but kind of also just I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Or I, I guess I knew I wanted to be a writer, but that was too scary, the idea of just moving to Los Angeles from the East Coast. So this was a way to have a year of just reading books and kind of figuring it out. So I did that here at Yale. and. Really enjoyed being in New Haven, so close to New York, which is great. And just being on a college campus felt really good and having all those classes. And so when I moved back to New York after about six years in LA, I just reached out to the school and I said, is anybody teaching a TV writing class? And was kind of shocked that nobody was. Um, it's such an old school kind of institution that they sort of still felt like screenwriting was the thing, you know, the same way they've been teaching it for for 50 years. Um, and they didn't have a TV class. And I that that was lucky because a lot of students wanted to learn how to write TV. So we started it in the English department. And um, that was about seven years ago. That's so cool. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So to this day, you're, you're still teaching, is it writing the television drama? Yeah, that's exactly right. In the fall, I teach writing the television drama. And then in the spring, I teach the advanced version of that class, which is sort of elements of craft, where each week we talk about, explore a different element. So one week might be dialogue focused, and another uh, week might be all about structure. Um, another week might just focus on a cold open of a, of a script. And um, it's great. And it's certainly for students who want to potentially go into this insane business, but also just for mm -hmm. students who want to study the, you know, the the art form in the same way when I was in school or my parents were in school or my grandparents were in school, we studied drama, you know, theater, poetry, literature. It feels like TV is the the sort of new frontier. Yeah, absolutely. Well, take us back again a little bit to prior to the LA days um, or what or what maybe inspired you to kind of venture out to Hollywood and, and 
make a go of it as so many young scribes do. Talk a little bit about kind of uh, that spark of inspiration that that sent you on that path. <laughs> I mean, insanity, certainly. It's still, <laughs> looking back, is the craziest thing I've ever done. Just the idea of finishing grad school and I'm 25 or whatever and deciding to just move to LA where I knew nobody and go into this incredibly unstable profession. But I was just, uh, my whole life, I was a huge movie buff and loved TV and knew I wanted to be a writer, even if I didn't admit it to myself until I finally made the move. And you go out there, I, I went out there and it was kind of, it's just, it's in the ether out there in the way it was. And I grew up in Washington, D.C. I didn't know anybody in the movie or TV business. Um, but out there, it's just, it's like I said, it's, it's in the water supply. So I, the way I got my first agent was I was sitting at uh, dinner with my buddy Alex and an agent walked by the table to say hello to him. And he said, meet my friend Aaron. He just moved to town. He's a great writer. You should read him. And the agent reached out to me and I sent him my stuff and I had an agent a week later. It's just, <laughs> it's just out there. That's just how it, how it goes. Um, and it's not like that skyrocketed my career. I mean, it helped get me my first job, but you're always kind of working to get your next job. But, you know, there is a way to do it. I was a writer's assistant on a TV show that failed quickly, but my boss brought me on to his next show and I was the writer's assistant there and that show failed. And then uh, you just kind of keep working your way up. So talk about this, this really interesting career path because, you know, I mean, just looking at, for instance, your IMDb, it's, it's a pretty interesting list and a varied list. Um, you have written for Law & Order, SVU, um, Fairly Legal, and a, and a handful of other um, well-regarded TV shows. And, um, you know, I, I understand that you continue to do that. You continue to pitch and, and ideas and, and sign on to produce programs. But yeah, talk a little bit about kind of that uh, ascendance and then how you got into the audio drama space. Yeah, I mean, for those who who don't sort of know, the way it works for a TV writer is there are two paths. One path is staffing. And so that means you go on staff of a show, you know, which I've done. You sit in a writer's room all day with six to 10 other writers and you're breaking the show. You're breaking the season. You're writing individual episodes. That show either gets renewed or it doesn't. If it doesn't, you're finding yourself a new job. Um, and that can happen every year. If the show does get renewed and you're asked back, then you can, you know, rise up the ranks uh, on that staff. So that's sort of one version. And then the other version is the version that I'm mostly doing, which is development. And so if you're developing, then you are coming up with your own ideas. You are putting together teams. Um, so oftentimes, for instance, I'm about to go pitch two new TV shows, assuming that there's not a writer's strike in the next couple of months, which is a whole other thing. But these two shows that I'm about to go pitch... One of them is a show that I've written with my sometime writing partner, Andrew, and we've been working on it for years. We sold the pitch to Lionsgate TV many years ago. They commissioned us to write a pilot script, which we did. It ended up not going anywhere, but then we um, were able to attach a great actor to play the lead role. So now we're going to take it back to market. We've got a script. We've got a great actor to play the lead. We've got me and Andrew behind the show, we've got a couple of fantastic producers, we've got a great studio on board. And so we've got this whole package, we're going to take it to the various networks that want to hear it, hope to sell it, and go from there. Uh, the other one is an audio drama that I made for Audible. I now want to do the show as a TV show. So 
again, putting a package together. Um, for the audio drama uh, had a great executive producer on board. We found another great executive producer from TV. He brought on another giant name from TV. We got a great director who's right for the project. I just brought on my friend Michael to, to either write it with me or to supervise. And we're going to take that out to TV. And so it's, it's really just sort of playing this game of having a good idea, putting together a package, taking it to market, hopefully selling it, and then writing the script. And then once in a while, that script goes forward and actually gets made. And then once in a rare while, that script that got made will get on air. But the sort of the dirty secret in Hollywood is that you can make a fantastic living as a dramatic writer and only very rarely get your shows onto TV. Um, you make your living mostly just <laughs> continuing to sell scripts and get paid to write scripts. And so that's sort of the, the lane that I've been in for many years. Yeah, that's a pretty inspiring and, and interesting path to now uh, having also your own production company in the audio drama space, Yeah, which I'd love to talk a little bit more about, but um, you have worked with some really big name talent doing audio dramas with people, including Aaron Paul. Mm -hmm. You have worked with James Patterson mm -hmm. and Steve Nash uh, recently on a, on a basketball mm -hmm. program. And these are some pretty big names in, you know, in Hollywood now kind of migrating into this space and doing, doing these big budget audio dramas. And it's, it's, it's really pretty fascinating and inspiring, but I understand that the project that you did with Aaron Paul was like a top 10 global hit. It's been one of the most downloaded audio dramas of all time. Uh, and yeah, uh, talk a little bit about that, uh, transition. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't even see it so much as a transition. It's sort of just another outlet. Like if you're a TV writer, you can't just be a TV writer anymore. So many shows are only six episodes a season or 10 episodes a season. Or like I said, your show gets canceled and now you're looking for jobs. So you constantly also have to be looking for other ways to be a dramatic writer. So I have some friends who are also pitching movies, you know, features at the same time. I have a good friend who's a maybe the best TV writer I know. He writes a lot of video games also. Um, I have another friend who's writing comic books. So I found audio dramas and just absolutely fell in love with the medium. It's in one sense, it's it's very old school, right? It's similar to radio plays from the 40s. But it's now come back in such a big way because of podcasts. So for people who aren't familiar with them, they're just, they're just TV shows without the visuals, honestly. That's how I think of them. Um, they're great stories. They're broken down into episodes. They need to be as compelling as a, any other TV show. The way I write them, my shows for, for Audible are mostly 10 episodes, 8 to 10 episodes, each one half an hour long, each one ending with a cliffhanger. You get huge stars. The, the Aaron Paul one you mentioned also starred Alexis Bledel and Kristen Ritter and Natalie Emanuel and Bo Bridges and Mark Paul Gossler and Kevin Dunn and just a, a bunch of amazing people. You're able to get these people in audio because you're only asking for anywhere between two and 10 days work. It's often more like three or four days. The money is pretty good if it's for one of the major podcast platforms. They don't have to put on any makeup. They don't have to put on costumes. We find them a place to record that's very near their house. It's kind of a light lift. And in my experience, actors really enjoy doing it because it's a way to practice their craft if they're between movies or between TV shows. It's a, it's a fun thing. So yeah, some of my other shows star Lee Pace and Zasha Mamet and 
Uh, Mary Louise Parker is the star of my my newest show, and another show with Maya Hawke and Bill Macy. I mean, just you can really get these great stars that you would sort of only dream about getting in TV. And as a writer, you just get to write. Like it, it's amazing how much of this life as a professional writer, um, how little of it is actually writing. So much of it is pitching and putting together teams like I was talking about before. Um, brainstorming, you know, ideas with your producer or your studio or your director, whatever. This, you actually just get to focus on the writing. So I've got nine of these shows in various stages of release and development at places like Audible and iHeart. And um, each one is between, I would say, three to five hours. And so I just had to write all those scripts. And I oftentimes will bring on a writer's room. I have a bunch of fantastic young writers who I work with in the writer's room. And we'll brainstorm for a long time. We'll work on the outlines together. And then usually I'll go off and, and write the scripts. Or sometimes some of these fantastic young writers will write drafts of the scripts. And um, you don't get nearly as many notes as you get in TV. And then you get to go produce it. So it's just, I, I love it. It's so fun. I want to do them forever. And I had such a good time doing them, the whole process, the writing, the producing, that I decided to start this company called Parallax to do even more. And so Parallax, you know, we're pitching audio dramas. We're pitching unscripted podcasts that are, you know, interesting stories. And it's incredibly fun and it's incredibly fruitful. Very cool. Can you talk about any of the unscripted uh, content you're experimenting with? A couple of them are sold, but not yet announced. Um, so I don't want to sort of talk specifically about them, but basically they're, uh, one is a true crime show, uh, a real life, uh, a guy who's a fantastic writer who solved a murder. And so it's him telling that story. Another is kind of an old fashioned type a ghost story show where we're just each week coming up with a really great scary story and so that one actually is scripted but an actor will come in and and sort of um, perform the story as if they were sitting around a campfire some of the others you know let's see i have one that's like a game show kind of an old-fashioned game show or something like uh wait, mm -hmm. wait don't tell me uh which is just incredibly fun because of the host and the concept yeah, at this point in podcasts, kind of the sky's the limit. Like nobody quite knows what works and what doesn't, uh, which is a cool time to be part of it. Like who would have thought that the most popular podcast in the world or one of the most popular podcasts in the world would be Normal Gossip, which is mm -hmm. a fantastic host who's just talking to her friends about gossip among their friends or just some <laughs> random person that one of them knows, you know, not even celebrity gossip, just normal everyday gossip. Like, and it's become a phenomenon. So no one quite knows what's going to work and what doesn't, which means you can just try to go after the things that you find interesting. Um, so, so that's incredibly cool, which is also very, very, very different from the TV landscape right now. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders, 
And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Can you talk about just how you broke into audio drama? Was it like something that your agent had suggested you kind of going out for? Was it a TV? Was it previously like a TV pitch that then an audio production company was like, oh, this sounds like a great audio drama kind of how did how was what was that like what was that moment like yeah so uh, yeah you're exactly right my agents introduced me to james patterson's development team and we had a great lunch uh bill robinson runs patterson's uh tv film arm and the idea was to come up with something i could do for tv and it didn't take long for me to sort of realize that there was no way that i was going to be able to take hold of a really popular James Patterson novel and then be the showrunner on the way to TV. It was just like, for that, they were looking at giant, giant writer names. So I was a little bit discouraged, but then um, I had a buddy from college who was dabbling a little bit in audio drama with Audible, and he had the idea for us to just all join forces, that I would sort of bring this uh, Patterson team to the table, and he would contact Audible, and we would just join forces and do a uh, Patterson adaption instead of for TV uh, for audio. And that took, no joke, it took probably a year and a half to two years to negotiate the deal because it was brand new. Patterson had never done audio before, but to his great credit, he loves trying new things. He, as popular, as insanely successful as he is in the book world. And I think, I mean, <laughs> I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure one out of every 10 hardback books that is published is by <laughs> James Patterson, which is just, I mean, nuts. And if if I were that successful, I think I would just sit back and chill out. But he's like trying to find new avenues still. So he was into the idea of uh, letting me adapt one of his books into audio. But of course, his publisher had to be convinced because it was very unclear at the time, how is this going to be different from the audiobook version of the novel. Like people, uh, does this yeah. mean that people won't buy the audiobook anymore? And we had to explain, no, 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 this isn't just a person reading one of his books. This is an entirely new story that's dramatized with actors, a huge cast. It'll be 10 episodes, completely different beast. But you know, that's tricky to have everybody understand. Anyway, so after two years, we finally got it across the finish line. And that was my first show, The Coldest Case, uh, with that amazing cast led by the Bay Aaron Paul, and um, I'm actually now uh, writing the sequel, uh, which is oh, exciting. Cool. Yeah, going to go into production on that in a couple months. Yeah, and so it just sort of spiraled from there. I had such a good time 
writing the coldest case that I was like, all right, let's let's immediately jump on this. And so um, I set up a show with my buddy Andrew with Shonda Rhimes's company, and I set up another political thriller that we got Lee Pace attached to, and a show about basketball because I'm a huge NBA fan with Steve Nash. And so I just took sort of all these people that my agents had introduced me to or that I had relationships with from TV and brought them into audio and just started making as many of these shows as I possibly could. That's very cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a fan of Lee Pace also. Um, oh, he's so great. Especially from uh, Halt and Catch Fire, which I thought was a... Me too. Really, really cool show. Totally. But um, yeah, that's really cool to hear. And that project with Lee Pace is titled Nowhere Man. Yeah, exactly. And is that coming out? Yeah, where is that at? Yeah, that's a good question. It's uh, it's in the can. We've recorded it. It's got an amazing cast. It's Zasha Mamet and Lee Pace and Chaz Palminteri. It's just basically we're working, we're editing it right now. Um, so it's going to take a bit to edit it, and it's for Audible. And so it'll be announced and go through their various channels and then come out, I'm hoping, sometime this year. But, you know, the other thing about this is it's it's not the end of the world when there's a delay. Like, if this ends up coming out in 2024, so be it. Um, I'm just thrilled to have, you know, gotten to write it and and direct it and, and produce it. Um, and hopefully people will like it when it comes out. But um, I, I, I just really like that I, I go from one to the next and uh, not to be too Buddhist about it or too Zen about it, but I'm really, I'm loving the process of making it. And if it comes out and it kind of, nobody listens to it and it's just, uh, you know, sort of disappears into the ether, that's a bummer. But I already got out of it what I wanted, which is the experience of writing it and making it. Right. What's the saying? The uh, <laughs> the journey is the destination. Yeah. I know what you mean. I mean, I know what you mean. It's, for TV, I'm so focused on outcome, and that's such a dangerous way to be. I remember, I mean, you mentioned Rob Reiner. He, he's like one of my all-time heroes, and so getting to work with him was just absolutely mind-blowing, amazing. But I remember him at lunch one day saying something very similar to that. He was like, early in my career, I was incredibly focused on the results, and now I'm at a point where I just want to enjoy going to work every day and making the thing. Hmm. Um, and that really does seem like the key to happiness in this incredibly unstable, unfair business. That's really interesting. I'm really curious about some of the directing piece, you know, as a as a writer producer, and then working with um, such a big name talent. What does that piece kind of w- look like, or or I guess sound like? Because you're you're probably in different studios. Uh, remotely, right? Like yeah. as we are now. Yeah. And so are you listening in on a like early table reads and giving notes kind of like a, a, a regular, you know, like a, like a director would do kind of early in a, in a production with actors? W- what is that piece kind of like? Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I, I love directing. It's, it's so fun in audio because, I mean, it's very different from TV. You are, as you said, we're recording one person at a time for the most part. In in all nine of my audio dramas, I've only ever recorded actors together two or three times. For the most part, it's just actors individually in a recording booth, and we hire a reader to deliver the lines opposite, you know, to give the cues to the actor that we're recording. Now, in the finished product, you cannot tell the difference, I promise you. Like, the two or three uh, cases where we've had actors perform together sound exactly the same as the actors we've recorded in isolation. 
And that's because we have good producers always who are able to make that work. But what you can do when you're directing an individual rather than a, a big scene with 10 people in it, you can um, sort of fine tune a performance. So I can, what I, what I will often do is I'll have the actor go through the scene once. It's usually fresh to them. Maybe they read the, the script or the, the script pages the night before, but it's usually pretty fresh to them. So we'll just, we'll record, but we'll just go through the scene. Then we'll talk about it a little bit. We'll do the scene again, and then we'll talk some more and either do the scene again or just do pickup of individual lines. And so I might say, all right, give me line 1261 again, but do it, you know, whatever, angry, sad, depressed, uh, nervous, whatever makes sense for the scene. And we can try a million different things and we'll have it all recorded. And so depending on what the other actor that we eventually record opposite them gives us or what ends up making most sense for the scene or the character trajectory, we can just insert that later. So it's it's truly incredible. It's something you cannot do when you're recording 10 different actors, you know, in TV on a set with everything that's going on. And in terms of direction, yeah, I mean, uh, that's part of why I love it. Um, the first show I directed was 10 Days, uh, my basketball drama that, that I did with Steve Nash. And we got an amazing cast. Glenn Powell was the lead, um, Glenn Powell of Top Gun. We also had Lamorne Morris, uh, Aaron Westbrook, a bunch of really great people, Jessica Hecht. And I just, I, I basically, I did that one for free. Um, I, I had written the show and was producing it, and I wanted a chance at directing. So I did it. It was, it was so fun. It was during the pandemic. So they were all individually in recording booths, and they had a, a big TV in front of them, and I was sitting at my kitchen table on Zoom, <laughs> and was just talking to them through Zoom and and giving direction that way. And it worked out totally fine. Now, since the pandemic has, you know, since the restrictions have mostly lifted, I've been able to go into recording studios. So my most recent show with Maya Hawk and uh, William H. Macy, we were able to go into a place called The Cutting Room in New York, a few other places where you can go uh, and be with the actor. But even then, because it's audio, you're not in the same room with them. So they're in the booth and you're outside the booth and there's, of course, a glass wall, but you're still not, you know, you're not right next to them. You're not holding their hand or anything. So it's, I don't find it that different than recording over Zoom. It's much more fun to get lunch. It's much more fun to hang out, but it's <laughs> not that different in my experience in terms mm. of um, directing. Yeah, right. Because you're really tuned in to just kind of the voice acting. and Yeah, they're not wearing costumes. They're not wearing makeup. You're not on a set you're just listening and giving feedback. And so you can do that over Zoom, just in my experience, just as easily as you can in person. And you probably get to hear some really famous people like burp. Accidentally. <laughs> um, I mean, there's all sorts of great uh, stories. Uh, you know, the, uh, the ones I recorded during the pandemic when we had to, the, pers the actor couldn't even go into a studio because it was too dangerous. So we would literally mail them everything they needed, a kit with a microphone and a recorder and everything. I, I recorded Natalie Emanuel. She was in her bathroom. Like th her bathroom had the best acoustics. So she had to put up sheets and blankets to, to you know, make the, the noise not bounce off the porcelain. Um, that was incredible. The, all sorts of, of crazy stories of actors having to, one actor had to go into a closet um, because that was the best sound. It's it's totally nuts, and you are kind of getting a glimpse into these very famous people's lives, uh, their bathrooms, whatever. 
it's it's totally surreal and just like really fun. It just makes the whole thing a lot more casual, and it takes this thing that's kind of high pressured and um, I don't know makes it a lot more relaxing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, you know, I mean, I could obviously keep this conversation going all afternoon. I know um, that we're going to wrap here shortly, but when can we expect Yale to do uh, the art and craft of audio drama um, <laughs> on the curriculum there? Interesting. You know, it's, it's the sort of thing where to get the TV class approved, and the way you get a class approved here is it has to go through all sorts of uh, committees and deans. Everybody has to say yes to it. <laughs> and the head of creative writing here, who I love, he said it was really hard to get TV approved because there are faculty members who don't believe anything should be uh, taught, you know, past Baudelaire. Like, there shouldn't be novels, the present-day novels taught. So the idea of teaching TV, you're out of your minds. Nobody's going to approve that. Uh, this is an old-school institution. But I, I think you're right. I think that the students will love a podcast class. Yeah, but, I mean, you could probably trick them into doing it by calling it like old timey radio production. And yeah, then I wonder. <laughs> or just writing writing for the ear. <laughs> right. Totally. I mean, the truth is that when I write an audio drama, I'm using all the same skills I use when I write TV. It's it's crafting scenes, it's creating character, it's figuring out plot and structure, uh, reversals and reveals. It's all the same tools. So there's no reason that it shouldn't um, it shouldn't work. Yeah, that's interesting. Of course, it's all the same tools, and uh, yeah, that's really really heartening to hear, uh, and and really interesting to see kind of the explosion of this this kind of content. Of course, the really kind of almost a Hollywoodization of podcasting that that's just become so ubiquitous now as more and more people are tuning in and checking out podcasts and audio dramas. Yeah. I think there's like 80 million people a month listening Amazing. to podcasts. It's it's a yeah. huge audience. I mean, it has really exploded, you know, and I think even, I don't know, a few years ago, we were saying, well, we're still kind of in like the black and white television era of like podcasting. And now I think we're, we're probably getting into the color era yeah. with with some of these productions because they're so it's just like high concept yep. high production value big big name talent i mean yep we haven't had i'm not sure we've had the mad men of audio mm. drama yet mm -hmm. we haven't had that one breakout hit that kind of changes the form there have been a bunch of amazing audio dramas obviously um homecoming was huge there's a show called The Miranda Obsession with Rachel Brosnahan on Audible that I love. There's a bunch of other really, really great ones and a bunch of really successful ones. And 
I always tell people f- my three favorite TV shows of last year were all based on podcasts. So it's it's happening in a big way, but I do think that there's still definitely room to grow for waiting for that big Mad Men, Sopranos, The Wire type mm-hmm. uh, show that just changes the form. Hmm. Well, um, can you talk about your three favorite uh, TV shows that were adapted from podcasts? Yeah, let me see. I think it was The Dropout, which is so fantastic. Mm-hmm. The Elizabeth Holmes story. It was so yeah. with Bill Macy, by the way. He was he was great in that. Gaslit, the Julie Roberts, Sean Penn show, was based on a podcast, which I loved. And oh, the um, We Crashed, mm-hmm. uh, Jared Leto starring story about WeWork. <laughs> Uh, I loved. Yeah, I, all three were fantastic. Yeah, he was great in that. Yeah. Oh my god, he was so good in that. And Anne Hathaway. Yeah, that that show didn't get enough attention. I felt like nobody really talked about that show, but we watched every episode and loved it. He plays strange very well, and <laughs> yeah. um, it was cool to see him do that. He committed to that. Yeah, he definitely did. All right. Well, again, um, let's talk about what you got coming up in June. So I understand that you are dropping a new trailer for a new show. Uh, talk a little bit about Supreme. Yeah, I'm I'm incredibly excited about this one. So it comes out, uh, the trailer will drop June 22nd, and then the first two episodes uh, the following week. It's a nine-episode audio drama. It's a show I made, uh, my, my producing partners on it are Eva Longoria and her partner Ben Spector and Rachel Winter, who's a fantastic producer. The show, it's the one that I mentioned that stars William H. Macy and Maya Hawke. It tells the true story of Sarah Weddington. Sarah Weddington was the 26-year-old lawyer who argued Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court. And when she won, she became the youngest person in history to win a case in the Supreme Court. So Maya Hawke plays plays Sarah. And Sarah also had a a partner, Linda Coffey, who's played by Abigail Breslin. And uh, at the same time, it tells Sarah's story of getting Roe v. Wade to the Supreme Court. It tells the parallel story of Justice Harry Blackman, played by William H. Macy, who was appointed to the court around the same time that Sarah took her case there. So it tells these sort of parallel journeys of Sarah and Harry, who are both new to the court, both terrified out of their minds, and meet at this climatic moment that, of course, changes the country. So it's a it's a fantastic story. It's part courtroom drama. It's part thriller. It's part sort of inspirational Aaron Brockovich. Um, I, I could not be more excited. And besides Hawk and Macy and Breslin, we also have Garrett Hegland and Josh Hamilton and Luke Kirby, um, Laura Benanti, Andrea Savage, Katie Couric does a small role. It's it's totally stacked. It's an amazing cast. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait for it. And it's, by the way, that one is on iHeart. Well, congrats on that. We'll look for that um, for sure this June. And um, before we uh, let you go, I know you have a class to teach. Yeah. We, we, um, I usually ask guests if they could have dinner with any author from any era to your favorite spot in the world. Who would you take and where would you take them? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, oh, I feel like I should be saying <laughs> something. I'm at Yale. I guess I should be saying like... Uh, Fitzgerald and Hemingway, the turn of the 20th century in Paris. Uh, that would be fun. Um, but no, I'll stay in my own lane. I'll say, you know what? My favorite screenwriter, probably Patty Chayefsky. Um, he wrote Network and The Hospital and The Americanization of Emily and so many great screenplays. 
uh, he had an office in New York uh, right next to the Carnegie Deli. And I can only imagine he went downstairs five days a week and had, <laughs> you know, a corned beef sandwich at Carnegie Deli. That sounds pretty good to me to have corned beef uh, with patty at the Carnegie Deli. Very nice. That sounds uh, classic. What, what, would you have a, a cocktail? <laughs> I, you know, I if I have a cocktail lunch, I don't know if we're, Patty and I are going to get good work done <laughs> in the afternoon. I think we're going to get, uh, what's the classic sort of New York uh, drink? I feel like we'll maybe, boy, oh boy, I think we're just going to have some black coffee and white mugs. You know what I mean? <laughs> that old school 70s, like a, a Reuben sandwich with a cup of black coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That you know you're you're ser- you're having a serious conversation and getting <laughs> yeah. a lot of work done. Yeah, I think that's right. You might have to take a short nap after this. <laughs> if he invites me back to his office, I will happily, <laughs> yeah, lay down on the couch while he types away. Well, you offer advice to young scribes often. Um, can you just leave us with your final kind of pearl of wisdom to aspiring scribes or scribes that are um, at a place in their career where they just need a little bit of a little bit of inspiration on just how to how to keep going. I guess, I mean, a couple of things. I always tell my students, I find that students can get blocked when they think of each script that they're writing as their opus. Like, it's just inevitable that they think that way. This has got to be amazing. It's got to be the best thing I've ever written. And I try to remind them, no, 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 no. This is going to be one of many, many, many scripts you write. The only way to become a better writer is to write scripts. So don't worry about each one being perfect. And it's not going to be. It's In fact, it's probably going to be bad if it's one of your first five or 10 scripts that you've written. So don't think of it as your opus. Just think of it as getting another one under your belt. And then the next one will be better. I promise. Um, it's a hard psychological shift, but it's a really important one to make. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today to do this. And we wish you the best of luck in the future. Do come back and wrap with us um, about some future projects and really appreciate this we will look forward to hearing Supreme. Uh, That's great. Thank you so much. This is really fun. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.